Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Klimsimech. On each episode, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come share with you their life and career journeys, from entrepreneurs to nine to fivers and everyone in between. Our guests go through all of the highs and all the lows of this life journey that have brought them to being who they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. I'm so excited for today's guest. Today's guest is someone who has worked for a publication that I like kind of basically raised me. Like I love magazines, first of all. I'm obsessed with magazines and to see to see you leading in that magazine was so inspiring for me to watch. Oh. We have today Nokolo Mafu. Nokolo, oh. welcome to the show. Thank you so much, man. I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad to to hear you, you know, gush about um Cosmo. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm really excited to to have a chat with you. You're also like a star icon of mine. Like I love your style. I will. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so Just much. Just as a side note, I love Ooh, your style. Oh, I love cool. your thank you so much. <laughs> so much. I love clothes. So so I mean I think I've tried to weave um a career that kind of touches onto all my work. So thank you. I really do yeah. appreciate about that. Uh, okay. So um, let's just get right into it, right? So on the podcast, we like to start all the way from the beginning. Mm. So take us all the way back, all the way back to you, your childhood, your upbringing, growing up and just you in school. Whoa, such a, such a long, a long throwback, I guess. But um, yeah, let's, let's just take it from the back. For people who don't know me, my full name is Nokolo Mafu. I am from Cape Town and I live in a small place called Charlesville. And most people who live in Cape Town don't know that. And that's um, just literally like just outside Ikukuletu, um, which I grew, I grew up obviously there. And before then, I was in Gugs with my family. So I come from a small family of four. I'm the youngest. Um, and there's a 16-year age gap between me and my sister. So oh, wow. <laughs> when they call me the Lat Lamiki, that's exactly what I am. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've grown up in Cape Town all my life. Um, went to Rustenburg, um, so all girls school, so very kind of um, the safe Cape Town life, um, but also very heavily um, crafted, I guess, by women in my in my family life. Also, my mom and her sisters kind of you know raised me quite closely, and my older sister. So generally, I've I've been crafted by the black woman, like most like most children we find in this country. So so you know, as I grew up, I my parents worked, worked very hard to get me to, to go to the school that I went to. My mom is a teacher. My dad was working in construction at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just a small little unit that's really just made me feel important and loved and worked exceptionally hard to give me the best opportunities that I've tried to, you know, make use of to, to this very day. So anyway, from Cape Town, go to Rustenburg, go to the high school, also meet some of the best women in my life who have become mm. my best friends and sisters. Um, and I was quite like, at school, I was actually quite like a goody two-shoes in the sense that I was super driven to be like, badges really like drove me. Like I wanted to be like a prefect. By the time, like I remember yeah. I got to grade eight and I saw the prefect who does like the head girl who does like all the like speeches and stuff and assembly stuff. And I remember sitting to myself and I was like, I want that. Like, so I'm, I'm quite like someone who like in a space, I can completely understand where, what I want to be a part of, you know what I mean? So, mm. um, 
even yeah so high school do that met some of my closest friends obviously you know in in wake now of what we know of the traumas that most of most young black children go through in our schools you know it was it was a tough time I can say that now you know it was a tough but also great time for grooming and I knew that at the end of my um, high school career which was amazing and and I'd done all the subjects that I was into which was history drama and you know I'd played violin for since grade three oh, and wow. I was yeah and then I was in the orchestra so I was very much like driven to humanity stuff but anyway come end of like grade 11 I was supposed to be applying for um university I genuinely just didn't know what I wanted to do and I was really freaked out because Google the structure of school that I'd known so well that I know very well how to follow had been disrupted quite um immediately Anyway, so I go to I go to my um, allo teacher and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. All my friends want to go to UCT. They don't want to do law. And at this stage, like, maths and I are not friends. Like, I'm going to, like, <laughs> two extra maths classes. So I know it's nothing <laughs> to do with medicine. And my parents are low-key, like, come on, medicine, law, all the kind of yeah. aspirational, safe, you know, jobs yeah. that you need to do. Um but I just knew that that wasn't me, you know, and all my subjects even just laid out in front of me just wasn't crafting that kind of story. But I didn't know how to articulate my interests and my desires um, into a job, you know. And mm. I knew like I was watching Wild Room growing up. So I knew like I wanted to be on TV and stuff, but I I knew it wasn't just presenting, you know, I did want to find out people's stories. I enjoy talking to people and I just really didn't, didn't understand. Anyway, after like, you know, sitting with the allo teacher who's like, okay, what do you like or whatever? And I really was desperate to leave and try something new from Cape Town. The idea of going to UCT, which is kind of, you know, planned out was just not something that was good for me at the time. Um, and I had a few of my friends who were at Rhodes already or older friends who were at the school. And I was like, actually, yeah, this is what I want to try. I come back home. I'm like, mama, I understand what I want to do now. It's called journalism. And I want to go to Rhodes. And my parents were just like, uh, okay, how are you going to afford that? Like, we've just made it like wonderful. I'm glad you know what you want, but how is this going to happen? You know, what's the plan? What's the plan? And yeah. and I think for, for the first time in my life, I kind of just was like, Oh wow. Like, so, you know, this beautiful bubble that my parents had created mm -hmm. to make sure that I don't feel different or weird or less than had kind of just been disrupted for a second. Cause I realized that oh, you need to fight for the next stage of your life, you know? Um, and we did, and we did. Um, like I said, I've got such a supportive family and we made it work and I was on my way to Rhodes, which was, yeah, an exceptional time for me. I studied journalism and media studies and I specialized in television, but I kind of touched base in writing, design um, and radio also. So I kind of, you know, the the degree does that, but also theater was a very big um, part of my degree um I've been performing for a very long time at the National Arts Festival and stuff like that so yeah I mean I feel like I'm rambling now and your question was no just like, <laughs> was just, but yeah that's kind of you know where things have really started I've always been quite an expressive person always been driven mm -hmm. by by people and their stories and just in like I don't know how else to say it, you know, yeah. and, and it's just always mattered to me to be a part of that. So even in school, I remember like in grade seven, I'd be like with the RCL, which is like the representative body of the people, even in my oldest. So it's always been a recurring theme in my life to, to put the common interest into the work that I do. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh wow. Wow. Okay, <laughs> Sorry, so I just went. So that's how I no, can just let you leave. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so now you've gone to Rhodes um, and you're studying. Yeah. What was your plan for after varsity? So I didn't. I didn't have a plan. You know, um, I knew that I had to finish on time. Um, the first two years, I was like, you know, while I was at school, I worked out a bursary and stuff. So I was really relieved also to give my parents a break for a bit. But then the pressure mounts, you know. So actually, mm. in my last year, I got a bursary um, to do the uh, to do Media Twenty Four's internship program. So I did that. Um, or I don't know if yeah, I don't know how you feel about brands and stuff being named. But anyway, I got a I got no, a bursary. <laughs> I got a, a bursary for a quite a big firm, obviously a, a media firm in the country. And yeah, so I went and worked for News Twenty Four off the bat. And I mean, obviously when I started, I knew I thought for some reason that Ndalo was a part of Media Twenty Four. That was just a weird poor understanding I had at the time. So I knew I always wanted to do lifestyle kind of content, but the way that the funds were working, it just wasn't going to go like that. And News 24 was where I was going to go and news and hard politics was it. But luckily, because I did television and I had the video skills that I had, um, I was able to join an amazing video team. But that was just off the back of me having done a documentary in my final year with a friend of mine called Lillian Magari, who lives in Tanzania, called Soweto Rising. And mm. at the time we were documenting kind of how the township has been the anchor for a lot of street culture um, and fashion as we know it. But unfortunately, it's just poorly do like documented, not because we can't, but because, you know, mainstream media at the time was just in favor of, you know, mm -hmm. not documenting the grit and the, the truth that is Elokshini, where a lot of our creative nuances come from. And so we did that back then. And I knew that I wanted to do more documentary kind of work, but just, you know, I had to divert that kind of dream quickly and just, and focus on honoring my contract, which is also an amazing opportunity that I had. Um, but, you know, Soweto Rising was one of the first indications of what it is, the kind of work that I wanted to do. And it had gotten, you know, international recognition. We got nominated mm. for like a, um, what was that thing called again? Uh, but anyway, it, it was some, but basically it was, I got a good sign from the industry, like that this is the kind of voice that I want to have. And internally it wasn't, we didn't win anything. We were still quite young, but I was like, this is how I want to walk in terms of creating my career, you know, but I didn't know kind of how I was going to get there because what was in my immediate reality was that news and politics was about to be my immediate future, which was an incredible opportunity. I'm so grateful for everyone who built me there and crafted me there. So I went to work there for about two years, um, literally everything from protests to, um, you know, off the wall stories um, in and around Cape Town. Um, but it was really, really a great time for me to, to kind of get my hands dirty and to learn from kind of in-studio work, which I was doing a few presenting stuff, producing work, scripting, and obviously just journalism in and around its, its full definition, which was such an amazing experience. And then after that first year, I got, um, for the internship, I got asked to be permanent. And so then I stayed. Um, so I had about two years there with News 24, and then the opportunity came for me to go to Johannesburg um, to build, to help build the video division 
in Johannesburg. And that's what I did. I kind of, and I knew, I'd, and recently, like after having gone to Rhodes and having felt that freedom of being away and understanding myself also away from family and immediate friends and really just walk in my own voice. Um, even when I came back to Cape Town, that kind of restlessness was already starting to come in, you know. So by the time the opportunity came to go to Johannesburg, um, I knew I had to take it, even though I was extremely, extremely scared. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. imagine. It's like, it's far. <laughs> it, it's far. And it's and I took up your whole life and moved there. Yeah. And I think it's it's also one of those things where you you're not sure if you're doing the right thing. I think it's, it always feels good to do the safe thing and to do the right thing. And at that time yeah. I knew I needed to challenge myself. And I knew that, cause I was also like, you know, truth be told. And, and I think it's always good to tell the good and the bad is that I was also at the, I think that last year, that last six months, I was underperforming, you know, I wasn't giving it my all. And it wasn't that I was just not pitching at work, but I was just wasn't coming in with the vigor that, you know, my boss was used to, and she was my mentor and she was like, and she still is. And she was like, yo, what's going on? Like, you're feeling a little off. Like your work isn't the same. It doesn't have the same punch. And I obviously had that yearning for something new. And I, I knew that I needed a growth, a growth spurt somehow. And I just didn't know how it would happen. So when the opportunity for Joba came, I knew I needed to, needed to do it. But it was one of the first kind of risks I took in terms of of my career so I hopped on over there and yeah I went to News 24 and worked there for a bit. Mm. So you were also the deputy editor for Half Post South Africa? Yes I was I was. So how did you move from News 24 to that? To that okay so Joburg which was also like really where I think my my tools were sharpened. Um, I think the the political landscape in Johannesburg really is obviously far more closer to the truth of, you know, our country because, you know, a lot of a lot of it happens there. So I really got to learn quite quickly, like, yo, this is this job really needs you to to be passionate and thorough about, you know, the politics of the country and ready to to deliver that to to the people who need it. And I just knew, you know, that I I really wasn't that um, drawn to that. And it was just heavy on my heart. And I knew that, you know, my interests, which, you know, I spoke about earlier, like with documentary making and street culture and speaking to really the essence of our existence, wasn't really being met with, with this kind of job. So when HuffPost came, here was an opportunity for me to hybrid lifestyle content and the news background that I'd come from, you know, and mm. I was like, this is such an amazing opportunity. And so I applied and I got the head of video there, which was an amazing opportunity. The team was quite small and new. Um, and we did that for a bit. And in that role, I was um, promoted to deputy editor, which was also just like, whew, such a shock for me, you know, because I... <laughs> I just I remember like the day I was I was called to be like look the role is here and you know you should you should give it a consideration obviously it was open to everyone and stuff but I was like me are you sure you're talking to me you know and that that was the first encounter also I had with like imposter syndrome where it was like yeah. you don't deserve it why why would you even think someone would alert you to it you know but despite that I I knew that you know, let me give it a go, even if it's a laugh for me to be like, ha, you thought. But I, I know that I also often sometimes do this thing where I apply to jobs that I even know that I won't 
get just to build that muscle, you know, to build that muscle of selling yourself and, 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 and understanding what it is that you want from a job or how you think you can, can do it better. So anyway, um, I got, I got the job for deputy editor, which was really such a privilege to, to lead such an incredible team and a team that had been so dynamic and versatile, um, while breaking into into the news industry and we worked exceptionally hard um so yeah that was amazing and then while we were there um i got an email so this is a funny thing i was talking to my mentor at the time the one i was talking about earlier and she she was doing her mba so she's like there was something they were doing about linkedin and like you know you need to fix your linkedin and at the time i was like yeah i think i have a linkedin and it has some crusty ass picture of myself <laughs> like, i was like i think so like it was pretty much like it had that facebook energy in my mind like but it exists but it's fine you know yeah, yeah. and she was like no man you should actually take that thing a bit more seriously like just fill it out and you're saying like you want new changes and stuff just beef it out, like just present yourself a little bit better. And, you know, I took an evening and I really just tried to craft a bit more and also just document the stuff that I'd been doing. You know, you realize that you're sitting on a lot of your own information because you don't um, update these things often. And I think we only think to update our CVs and stuff when we want something else. But just kind of that crafting it as, as you're working through stuff is such an important practice that I'd taken for granted. So, um, I did that one evening and not to like, I think within like a month, I, I kid you not, I got an email from the editor of Cosmopolitan, Holly, and she was like, um, there's this role, um, I'm looking for someone like this and I think you could be, would you like to apply, you know? Oh my gosh. Literally, that's what I what went was through. that like? <laughs> oh my, I was like... Wait a minute. I literally thought I was being punked. You know when you check like the email? <laughs> so I was like, obviously, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. like a spelling it's, error. Exactly. Or... Spelling error. I'm looking for like, you know, spam. You know, we know these these like hacks and yeah. stuff like that. And I was like, this is obviously a joke. Um, and I even went to go Google her just to check if she's real. And I'm like, oh, this woman is legit. And, you know, I applied with the same energy that, you know, I'd, I'd done the, the role before. And also, again, to force myself to arrive to that moment, because there was a reason why someone had thought, you know, she's all the way in Cape Town that I could do the role and had seen the work that I'd done. But because I have such a, obviously, internal view of myself that is far more harsh, I couldn't actually even envision that that idea. Anyway, I applied. Um and you know there are lots of layers. Obviously, these are quite big roles, so you go through a lot of a lot of stringent um, processes. But eventually, yeah, I got I got the message that I'd got it, and that was like two years into my time in Joburg. I then again was then needing to move back to Cape Town to to start Cosmo. But I think that I remember I was so on the edge about that one because I was like, am I going to move again? Like, I feel like I'm all over the place. I'm restless in my career. What are employers going to say? Do I even know what it is that I want? And, you know, that that role was kind of exactly what I needed, where I needed to be at the right moment. And be kind of, you know, became, I think, a role that most people know me for. But there was a lot of work that had happened before but truly cosmopolitan was my calling at that time, you know? So I think that's when the role came and I flew back to Cape Town and just joined an amazing team of really um, hardworking, like 
brilliant minds and it was just an honor to to lead with that so yeah that's kind of how cosmopolitan happened a lot of moving around but yeah that's that's where that happened yeah and how has that journey been like just you being at cosmo like what has that been like i mean that was that was incredible i mean it's it's such a sad um reality to talk about it in the past but i think it's also you know it had it did what it was meant to do um, and although most of us, and I think even, you know, the audience wasn't ready for it, we as the team weren't ready for it. I think it there is a reason for, for the way things happen, you know, and I think that um, the Cosmo experience was an exceptional one. I think to service um, over 2 million women, and particularly I think my purpose was when I walked in there is like I – love Cosmo. I've known it for so long, but for a very long time, it was really just representing or emulated the lifestyle of one sector of, 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 of society. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. particularly white for white women and stuff. And here it was in our homes. You even said that you grew up with it and yes. you weren't getting those visuals, you know, you weren't getting those stories. And I think mm. to make a, a publication so honestly, um, a part of our lives that it was important to me and I wanted it to, to service black women in an empowering way and in a way that felt um, honest and, and also kind of like lead the pack. You know, you don't just want to play catch up. You want to actually also set the pace because if you've been left out for so long, you actually need to show up and be like, this is what you've been missing out on and here's, and this is what the momentum is. You know what I mean? And I, that's what I loved about Cosmo. And I think everyone could feel it is that Cosmo Mm. then became a lifestyle. It became about like representation, much more than just a magazine, which was formally understood to be about sex or whatever, but it was really, really, um, it was, it was, it was meant to be a platform for a holistic, empowering, um, platform from a career, sex, um, mind, body, health perspective. You know, I mm-hmm. and and I think that was that was an amazing opportunity. The events and meeting all the incredible readers and fans and influencers who created this community really drove me. Like, it's it brings chills to my like body when I think about it because those experiences were unreal and to realize the hunger that we all have to connect to learn from each other and just to feel safe um in a country where we just don't we don't have that right we don't have that luxury to feel safe or seen um cosmopolitan in a sense to me felt like creating an environment that was honest and was ours and even if it was built in the the framework of just fashion and beauty and stuff it was ours and it was it was damn proud of being that so I think there was it was a very proud moment in my career and has kind of crafted also my intent for the next steps and the projects that I'm working on from now on yeah Mm. oh wow that's that's absolutely incredible (laughs) Uh, so (laughs) so tell us a little bit about um some of the highlights of your journey and some of the lowlights as well yeah I mean I think you know, it's careers are tough you know and I think also when we when we talk about highlights and lowlights especially in line with work you know we will assume that that only ha- those lows or those highs only ap- happen in the work capacity you know and you know you could feel low at a time about something else, but it manifests in your work. And so yes, I think, you know, two are so, too, too relate, too they're related. so related. And I think mm. it might not be like 
the day your boss shouted at you, but it might be at a time when my mental health wasn't okay. I didn't feel like I was giving myself. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, I missed out on, on opportunities like that. But if I think immediately about like my highs and lows, I think my lows were probably the times where it really felt hard to go to work. And I think there were spots you know when I when I knew that a job wasn't making me feel happy anymore and there were periods like that you know you have seasons where you're like am I sure this is what I want am I sure this is and I'm contributing to something am I of value and feeling that Mm -hmm. kind of low um, obviously you know made for poor output you know and I think there were times in my career where I wish I'd taken more focus on my mental health and listened inside instead of pushing through. And perhaps I would have been able to, to avoid, you know, some, some mistakes that could have been made. But I think those were carefully crafted to, to make me as thorough and as, as focused as I am in the work that I do. And then my highs, I think, you know, um, definitely the impact of the work we did at Cosmo. And I only felt that when the doors closed, you know, um, it didn't, it didn't. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to recreate that moment again, you know, in, in more projects and stuff. But I think to realize that people felt seen and people felt heard and they could attribute that to, to the work that you actively took on and that you made your personal mission alongside brilliant minds and a team that understands that and feeds into that and is already doing the foundation work for that is an absolute honor. Um, And I think that really like the cosmopolitan impact to me and the role in itself and what it could do, not only for, you know, fab fly women, but also women who, needed information about, you know, menstrual hygiene and, you know, raising awareness for like, you know, men having to to take the lead when it talks when it talks to like gender based violence. I think that that for me was one of the most biggest highlights. It's just been incredible. And, you know, I got to see people like Netflix and, you know, um interview the sex education team, which was really exciting. Yeah. But I think <laughs> but I think the impact really just for for women was was a really big marker for me yeah Mm. oh wow what are what do you think what do you think are some of the misconceptions about like your role there oh that it's just fun and events and (laughs) just like super cute I think like because I think glamorous yes I think people also once you see the word editor in a job title people are like oh girl it's so cute you're going to events (laughs) all the time and the reality is like that is just like two percent of the role you know that's two percent of the work I think we don't realize that like all of to bring that finished product takes a lot of like brand strategy you know content strategy from there I'm kind of bringing in the right people to work on stuff and the content strategy and all of that Um, it also just yeah it's it's a lot of editing and grueling work and kind of fitting in the pieces through a very long um, process and managing that process to, to give you this product on time and to do so at the stock quality that you're used to while also innovating, you know, at the same time. So I think, you know, it's, it's the misconception I think is that it's easy and that it's glamorous. 
Um, but the reality is it's the very opposite of that. And the reality is also it doesn't have a lot of money. Um, and so mm. we're making work. And I guess, you know, this is what the move is for, to to get people to get paid their worth. But the reality is that, you know, people are making brilliant work, gorgeous work, like thorough and like phenomenal moving work for a fraction of what they should be paid, you know, and, and that is what we should be advocating for is not only to put people on the front line of getting their work out there on the right platforms on international platforms, but also to be paying them um, their value so that this industry can build, but also we can see, you know, the real grooming and real intersection of these industries that can be unfortunately so white or so male dominated um you know the purpose is to disrupt and to disrupt with intent and so yeah that's that's the highlights and the lowlights uh you know what i feel like you're absolutely brilliant (laughs) (laughs) i'm so i feel like i talk for like big gaps and i'm like i'm trying to like bring myself back because i know i do this that's i prefer to interview It's, it's it's absolutely amazing um I've, i like i've been to all the cosmo i've actually been to all of the cosmo hustles Yay. <laughs> in Joburg. yes um, yeah and I've, i heard you amazing. speak last year as well yeah. and you were talking also about linkedin i'm also very glad that you spoke about the linkedin yeah. thing because because um we recently did an episode in one of the segments of she mm. brigade on on LinkedIn and why it's so important. And I like I recently moved into a role where I was found on LinkedIn too. Mm. Like it's so important. Like don't underestimate that. Always don't below. don't you never know what's gonna happen as well. So it it's so important to always put your best foot out there. Um all the like, time. Promote yourself. It, you kind of have to, right? You have to. And it feels weird. And I and I remember it even feels so weird. <laughs> it feels weird. And it feels indulgent. Like I remember even yes. like now, you know, after the war, I was like now I'm working on new stuff and, and there's new projects. And I was like, okay, now I have to tell people what I do. And spending <laughs> time on yourself and being like, okay, but what it is, you're like, oh my gosh, Gunini, I've been thinking about myself, talking about myself, writing about myself for so mm. long. But truly, like you're saying, you know, once you've got it down and you've written it, you can get such amazing opportunities because you're making it easier for people to understand what it is you do. And the jobs come to you, you know, as, you, as you're saying in your, in your instance too. Mm. 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 Uh, okay, so what is the worst career advice that you've ever received? Uh stick it out because just stick it out like you know you're unhappy and kind of working from fear right so I might not have the words like you know verbatim but it's that kind of attitude of like I would man oh just stay Lala. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just you know and it's it sucks because that's probably the kind of advice we get from older people who also love us and and mean the right way and mean the right thing but will tell you to stick through something because of the safety, you know, reasons. And of course, we must take that into account. We understand unemployment is so serious in the country and having a job is a privilege. I don't take that lightly, but you also know what's destroying you, you know, and you also know what's not giving you purpose. And so I think the worst advice is just listening to people impose their own fears, perhaps, um, onto you. So don't leave your job 
you what are you going to do what how can you you've only been there for a year and a half you've only been there for six months recruiters are not gonna it's just not worth it what is what would you rather do stick through it and be the most unhappy person producing poor work at a level that's not going to make you proud so that even when you do leave that job after a year and you put that person's number as a reference that person can only say mediocre work about you Whereas if you leave on time when you knew, I'm not happy, this is not working, you pursue something else that will give you purpose, but that's the quality of work that you want to be known at. And perhaps then that will lend you more to the next step that suits your intent, you know, in in terms of the career that you want. But situations aren't the same. And so I'm always quite weary of, of making blanket things about like, you should do this, you should do that. What I've learned in myself is that if you listen quite closely to the things that drive you and the repeated themes that start to occur, not only in your job, but maybe even your roles and stuff, you start to really get a good sense of what your purpose is, you know? Um, so yeah, I think the, the worst, the worst career advice is kind of just listening to people impose their issues on you. Um, mm. But that could also be care. And so we can't take it too. Yeah. We can't take it too badly, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, listening to your story, um, it, it, it feels like, you know, you're very sure of you've always been like pretty sure of what you've wanted um, and what you want to do and maybe your purpose as well. But I want to know, even though you, you seem like you have like an arrow pointed to where you're trying to get to, what is it that actually drives you? You mentioned now, you know, thinking about what drives you. Mm. What is it that actually drives you when you're going towards your goals and you're going through these low moments mm. or you just, it's just not working out. What drives you? Oh, I think it's just where we come from as, as black people, it's just, and even just looking at how hard everyone in my family has worked to get me to where I am and even to kind of just imagine success with just different imagery is kind of something that drives me you know to to understand that you you can achieve success while also valuing your principles and your desire to want to change things you know what i mean so for instance in mm. my personal situation is like i know that i'm driven by people i'm driven by wanting to speak and change and really like use the media platform or the media kind of realm which I have skills in to put to to craft different messages and campaigns and stuff like that could look like a campaign that could look like a magazine that could look like a documentary you know these are these are my tools but they all have the underbelly of the same thing is in telling people stories you know and making sure our stories are are out there and are done so in a way that is authentic and just gives truth to our existence. And that is an an ode, I guess, to the people who've raised me, who haven't been able to make those choices, who had to get into jobs um, because there were only two professions given to you, nursing, teaching. Um, yeah. You know, there were my parents, you know, my dad also worked exceptionally hard and was told he could only stay in one work to only make some kind of like footing in in a career and even then you know 
who knows had he pursued, you know, his actual interests or whatever. But because life was so prescribed, I really want to be someone who prescribes my own life and prescribes my own story, but with the purpose of putting more light to the people who couldn't tell their stories and the people who raised us and the people who get to, at least through our work, see their yeah, their struggles kind of manifest in a life that maybe, you know, could have happened earlier, but we're lucky to be where we are. And I just want to keep showing that to the world, you know? So I think I'm really driven by that. I'm no matter the platform. And that's why I think it's, it's so difficult to, to limit my thoughts because it can go from like the art scene, you know, I'm my cousin, for instance, Uzi Potonigum, her work, for instance, she's there to disrupt the art scene and like break boundaries in the gallery space. Mm. You want to break boundaries in the magazine space, um, you know, with Cosmo and, and the, the, the intent, I guess. And I think maybe it's a family thing. And I bring her up because I think there's a similar theme in hers is that like, we want these stories to be shown because our mothers and our aunts and our, the people who've raised us have shown us so much generosity and how much time they've poured into our lives that we have to show something for it and something that will honor just how big our community is and how many more of us are a result of people's hard labor you know it's it's a very long purpose but I think I just no, I can't keep forgetting perfect. that yeah, yeah. yes yes mm. yes it's absolutely perfect mm. uh Nux, so um, this is my favorite part of the podcast. Yay. Where I ask my favorite my favorite question. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I ask this question is because it's tied to um, a quote that I live by. Mm. I don't know who said it, but whoever they were, they, they said, be who you needed when you were younger. Whoa, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I love that quote because, you know, it reminds me that um, I feel like when we were younger, we may have needed to see someone. We may have needed to hear something from someone, whether or not we knew it, you know? Mm. And I, and I feel like, sorry, if we needed that back then, there's someone today who needs that. Yeah. So that's so true. If you could go back, if you could go all the way back, um, it could be last year. It could be yesterday. It could be Mm. 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, What would you, if you could go back, what would you say to younger Knox? Oh, okay. So Younger Knox had very hectic self-image issues. Um, And I think that's obviously just our environments that crafted us. I wanted to be like exceptionally thin. I wanted to be exceptionally light. Um, I just really did not buy into anything that I was, which is, you know, being dark skin, being black. I was like, oh, I just wish I could change all of it, you know? (laughs) And if I could tell her one thing, it is just to lean into who you are because that is the one thing that is going to craft your journey in this world. You know what I mean? And so I feel like the more and more I'm leaning into my blackness, the more and more I'm leaning into my femininity, the more and more I'm leaning into, you know, or, you know, my my raw feelings my i'm i'm starting to build far more honest work and 
more honest workers starting to be attracted to me, you know? So I wish I could have just trusted my voice much sooner, trusted my, who I, who I'm, who I am much sooner, but I mean, I'm not even there yet. You know, I sound like I've got it all figured out. That is the absolute lie of life. You know, it's, <laughs> it's daily work. It's daily work. It's a journey. Yeah. It is a journey, man. It's, it's a journey of trying to affirm, but there's a reason I'm here again. You know, if I've survived it again, I can do it again. And you start to learn and be better. So the, if I could speak to my younger self is to just lean into yourself and lean into your instincts because that is truly all you have. Um, yeah, just lean into the things that you think you don't like because, honey, those things are going to give you the voice that you needed and the voice that you've yeah. yearned for for so long. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, I love that. Yeah, um, yeah someone, man. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, someone was saying yesterday, I, I've actually forgot, but I read something similar yeah. that said, like, that thing that you keep avoiding, that's mm. where the magic is. Yeah, but, and it's like the uncomfortable work. It's like, I always, yes. yeah, it's the uncomfortable work. It's the stuff that, like, low-key makes you want to, like, you're not sure if you want to fart or cry or like vomit <laughs> at the same time. It's those kind of like crazy moments that I think can also breed some of the most amazing magic moments in your life, you mm. know, and, and life is not always going to give you that euphoria. Of course, it's also going to be difficult, mm -mm, mm. but I think to just really just trust your voice. Um, I know Tracy Ellis Ross, who is like my goddess. I love her. Right. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> but she says that, that line of hers that she kept repeating, you know, my life is mine. Oh yeah. My life is mine. And truly it is yours. I mean, we live in a difficult world, but your life, your intent, your decision-making is yours to make. And with once like you really lean into that power and lean into that, that one right we have, you know, it can be some really powerful stuff, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love that. Mm, lean into it. Lean into it, honey. Yes, yes. Yeah. Don't run away from it. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's just going to bug you. What I'm realizing is like, yeah, I just, all that stuff like I was running away from, like giving myself eating disorders for one stuff, like, it just, mm. it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Mm. So you're upsetting yourself and you're building these things, but you know, we're kids, uh, you're going to go through this stuff and there was no way of avoiding it, but I'm just like, yeah, yeah if we could have avoided that, that would have been amazing. But anyway. Yeah, but when you know better, you do better. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, this has been absolutely incredible. So Yay. tell us what's, 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 what's next for you? Do you even know what's next? I mean, so much has happened yeah. with Cosmo now during COVID. Yes. So, I mean, I what's can't imagine next? what you're going through. I honestly can't imagine what you're going through. <laughs> Yeah, no. no. I mean, I, <laughs> I was devastated. I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I, I was devastated. Yeah. Also, I think a lot of us were, you know. But I think that that was a beautiful chapter, um, and yeah. it has come to an end, and that's also fine. Um, but I'm really excited. I mean, I'm actually telling you, I don't know when this is going to come out, but on Monday I'm going to be announced as the fashion and beauty editor and the Expresso show. So that's going to be some. No! Is that yeah. why you were there today? Well, I was there actually, yeah, yesterday. So I mean, we'll be seeing you more. Yeah, yeah, yesterday. Feet. Yes, yesterday. Oh so my gosh! Congrats! Thank you so much. So that's some exciting stuff. Um, 
so that that'll be on SABC three. Um, most mornings I will be there every morning I will be doing something whether fashion or beauty so I'm really excited to kind of grow with with people on that um but yeah there's some incredible freelance work that I'm doing I'm also going to be doing something soon with um a few brands but I'm going to keep those under wraps um because obviously everything has its own lead time but very exciting stuff I think you know I didn't know that you know, freelance work has always been the scary beast <laughs> that <laughs> I've heard about. Um, but you know how the world works and it's just, I've kind of been pushed, I guess, into it. And the opportunities that are coming have been exceptional. So some voiceover work also happening there. But yeah, man, we're working, we're ah. pushing, we're trying. Um, but I'm also super excited just to really, um, there's some really great brands that like to collaborate and I think we can, we can do some important work there. So, yeah. Ah, yeah. No, that's incredible. I'm very <laughs> excited for you. Yeah, <laughs> By the time you. this comes out, it will be out there. Yes. So I'm so excited for you. Be. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. I think um, TV has always been something that I wanted to do. And yeah, it's just, I went there, you know, I used to go like randomly, but it's just been something that's been growing. And so I'm really excited to to show you guys the fun stuff that we've got lined up for you on there. So that is going to be cool. Nice. We will definitely be tuned in. <laughs> cool. um, so how can our how can our listeners get in touch with you or keep up with your journey yes. and just keep up with you? Yeah. So social media, it's Nox underscore Mafu. That's N-O-X underscore M-A-F-U. Um, you can find me on socials with that handle. That's Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, my emails are also... Um, pretty open so if there are any ideas or kind of collaborations um, that people want that's the best place to get a hold of me but I'm pretty available on the socials so yeah let's get to chatting I think there's some great opportunities available for all of us so yeah yeah thank you Knox thank you so much for Pleasure. today thank you for sharing your story thank you for your honesty uh thank you so much thank you so much thank you for having me I think it's um super important to kind of you know, be about it. You know, we talk about supporting women and supporting the the hustles that we're doing, but I think it's also about being a part of it. So I also hope your um, endeavors go really, really well. It's an amazing yeah. platform. And yeah, it's amazing to be part Thank of the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we love to engage with all of you, so feel free to pop us an email if you have any feedback or guest recommendations on info at shebrigade.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so don't forget to tag us on your posts at SheBrigade. See you next week. <laughs>